Welcome to the First Church Podcast, a resource of First Church of God in Columbia City, Indiana. Our goal is to provide you with tools that you can use to help you in your new or growing relationship with Jesus Christ. Hi, I'm Jordan Chappell. I'm the middle school pastor here at First Church of God. Welcome to the podcast. Today, as we continue in our series called Timeless, where we spend one week in every book of the Bible, um, I'm reminded more than ever of how at the beginning of this we said, hey, we're not going to be able to cover all the material in every book. Um, And this week, as we approach the book of Psalms, um, I really struggle with this idea of, of not being able to cover all of the material because if I'm being honest, just like first jab, uh, knee-jerk reaction, this is probably one of my favorite books in the Bible. And to, to think about all the things um, that as we spend one week and, and move on to the next book uh, to try and be faithful to what we set this up to be at the beginning, um, there's going to be so much that I can't talk about today and that Johnny on Sunday morning can't talk about. Um, it's such a large book that not even just the size, but it just covers so many things, like the full range of human emotion. And that makes it really difficult to pick one thing out that I, that I want to focus on and then leave the rest behind. But uh, what I want to do is just kind of give, give a quick overview uh, of the book of Psalms and obviously painting with really broad strokes. Um, and then we'll just hop into what is one of my favorite Psalms. It's hard to, uh, hard to pick out one specific one, but this is one that I go back to over and over again. So I figured it'd be worth uh, discussing uh, on the podcast here today. So uh, basically in the book of Psalms, you have two sorts uh, of songs or poems um, or choruses or something like that. That's what make up the book of Psalms. And there's two main types. There's Psalms of lament and Psalms of praise. Psalms of lament and Psalms of praise. Um, and the ones that are, are focused on the lament uh, are prayers or songs of pain and confusion and anger, and it draws attention to what is wrong in the world, like the things that the writer, the author, sees around them and what is wrong in the world, and they ask God to do something about them, uh, the things that they see that are wrong. And, and I want to emphasize that this isn't a wrong emotion. I think a lot of times as we uh, walk through our lives and we experience difficult things, it's really easy for us to feel bad about being frustrated or sad. Um, we might put on ourselves or someone else might put on us that, well, if you just trusted in God more, um, and that's not a wrong emotion to feel. Like I said, the book of Psalms uh, encapsulates the entire human experience. And then the second one was a, a psalm of praise, and it's drawing attention to the good things in the world that are good gifts of God's grace. It's retelling the story and what God has done. And so we get these psalms of lament, in these psalms of praise. And you might notice if you read the book in its entirety, you notice the shift um, from at the beginning, it does focus, and not exclusively, but it does focus uh, more towards the the lamenting and the focusing on what's wrong and, what, God, what are you going to do about this? And then it shifts, and it makes this shift uh, towards, uh, towards praise, these songs of praise focusing on the bigness and the goodness and the glory and the grandeur of who 
God is. And so that's the shift that we see taking place inside of the book. The Psalms teach us not to ignore the pain in our lives, but at the same time, uh, biblical faith, if we're understanding it like I think God wants us to, is looking to the promise of God's future kingdom um, that he has established and simultaneously is in the process of establishing. And I love uh, the Bible Project, what they say about the book of Psalms as a collection um, that was put together for God's people and, and for us even today. They call them a virtual temple for a people in exile. And if you think about this idea of a temple, that's where people met with God. That's where they were able to to have sacrifices. It's where they were able to go worship. God's presence was dwelling there. Um, But if you are a people who who need this um, because of the structure that God has set up, if you're people who need to go to the temple to, to... to, to worship or to sacrifice to do all of these things, and you don't have a temple because you're in exile or, or for whatever reason, um, these book of Psalms can focus your heart and your soul around who God is, uh, pointing you towards the beauty of God, the beauty of the, the creator of the universe, and, and can really draw out those feelings and, and the worship and all of those things that you would experience as you went to the temple. And so, like I said, they call it the the virtual temple for people in exile, that wherever they are, they can have this worship experience. I thought that was such a cool example. And so, that's the book of Psalms. Um, I, I want to just read real quick from Psalm 63. And it's, it, like I said, it's one of my favorite Psalms. Um, and it's one that I continually go back to, um, whether I'm in a hard situation or whether life is really good. Um, at the top, it said, a Psalm of David, when he was in the wilderness of Judah. And when he would have been in the wilderness of Judah, he was on the run, uh, worried about some stuff that was going on with his children. And and so he was just kind of out in the wilderness, uh, killing time, waiting, and his life was uh, a danger potentially. And so uh, it says, Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. And I can imagine that is something that David experienced in such a real way as he was on the run and in the wilderness, in the desert, that his his flesh was fainting for, for just a drink of water. It would have been hot, he would have been thirsty, and that immense, immense desire for just a cool drink of water in that moment. David would have known and experienced that sensation. I'm sure you have too. And how much you want that in that moment is how much David is saying, God, I thirst for you. I long for you. I need you more than I need my next uh, drink of water. You are, you are quenching to my soul. It says, I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory. And, and I think that's why in verse one, he's able to say, I am longing for you because he's looked at God and said, wow, look at this power. Look at this glory. Look how incredible he is. Look how strong he is. He's really sat in the presence of God, beholding who 
God is. And that's what's allowed him to say, I long for you more than I long for anything else. He goes on to say in verse three, because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you. Because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you. God's love is steadfast, it's constant, it's immovable, it's never going to change. And I don't know about you, but I really love being alive right now. And a lot of times in in my flesh and in my spirit, I have to wrestle through these feelings of like, do I truly believe what David is saying here? Do I truly believe that God's steadfast love, that his consistency, um, that that his grace, that the things we can know and experience from God's steadfast love is better than life itself? That the, the object of my life right now pales in a comparison to the majesty and glory of who God is. And what's the proper response to that? It says, because your steadfast love, God, is better than life, my lips will praise you. My lips will praise you. That's, that's the proper response. Praise is the proper response to understanding and having a right image of the love of God. And so he says in verse 4, So I will bless you as long as I live. That is the, that is the purpose and trajectory of my life, is to bless your name and make much of you, God, as long as I live. And in your name, I'm going to lift up my hands. And then he says in verse 5, My soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food, and my mouth will praise you with joyful lips. When I started a, a, a new diet um, and was trying to eat new vegetables, one of the things my nutritionist told me is, hey, if you want to eat more vegetables, you need to uh, cook them with better fats. Um, so like try bacon fat um, that, that's from really high quality bacon and then cover your kale, cover your broccoli in that because it's going to be so much more satisfying and enjoyable to consume all these vegetables that I'm needing you to consume if they're more satisfying um, at, at, in the eating experience. And so I imagine this idea of like, Knowing God, praising God, being in communion with God, as David is describing here, is so good that it's satisfying. Just like David was talking about at the top of the psalm, that his soul was longing for him, that his flesh faints for him, that he earnestly is seeking him as in a dry and weary land where there's no water, um, that he knows that when he finds his place and, and puts his rest and his trust in God, that he will be completely satisfied and that God is the only thing that can satisfy. And again, he says after verse five that when he, uh, when he's completely satisfied in him, he is, the response to that is praising him with joyful lips. And he says, I remember you upon my bed and I meditate on you in the watches of night saying, I'm constantly focusing on you because you just consume every part of me because you're that good for you have been my help. And in the shadow of your wings, I will sing for joy. 
My soul clings to you. It's in you, God, that I know and experience hope. I know and experience peace. I know and experience satisfaction. I know and experience fulfillment. And so it's to you that I'm clinging and holding fast to. For those uh, who seek to destroy my life shall go down to the depths of the earth. They shall be given over to the power of the sword. They shall be a portion for the jackals. But the king shall rejoice in God. All who swear by him shall exalt, for the mouths of liars will be stopped. And so, like I said, this is one of my favorite psalms because David is painting this picture of being completely satisfied in the person of God, trusting in his work, saying, God, you are so good. You're better than life itself. Your steadfast love is better than life. And so my response to that love that I've known and I've experienced is absolute adoration and praise for him.